Welcome to this Business of Music and Poetry podcast, where the life of a creative meets the real world. I'm Michael Amade, host of World Poetry Open Mic and The Michael Amade Show, publisher of World Poetry Magazine, musician, poet, and author of more books than I should mention. My collaborator and co-conspirator in this project is none other than Clifford Brooks. Cliff is the author of Athena Departs and The Draw of Broken Eyes and Whirling Metaphysics. He's the founder of the Southern Collective Experience and is a creative force behind the Blue Mountain Review. Our guest today is Victoria Chang. Victoria Chang is an American poet and children's writer. Her fifth book of poems, Obit, was published by Copper Canyon Press in 2020. It won the Los Angeles Times Book Prize, the Penn Volcker Award, the Ansfield Wolf Book Prize, and was a finalist for the National Book Critics Circle Award, the Griffin Poetry Prize, and long-listed for the National Book Award. In 2021, she published Dear Memory, Letters on Writing, Silence, and Grief, Milkweed Editions. The book was a Time, Lit Hub, and NPR most anticipated book of 2021. She also writes picture books for children and middle grade novels, and her picture book is Mommy, illustrated by Marla Frazzi, was named a New York Times notable book, and her middle grade verse novel, Love, Love, was published by Sterling Publishing in 2020. This is a great interview with a fascinating person, and we hope you enjoy it. Without any further ado, here is our interview with Victoria Chang. And on today's episode of This Business of Music and Poetry, we are honored to share time with poet and professor Victoria Chang. Victoria, how are you doing? Good, how about you? I am fine and dandy like sour candy and I will not complain in your presence. I, it is it is fantastic to have you here, it really is. Um, and I'm energetic about it because um, I've followed your career for quite a while now. Um, so I always like to do kind of a Charles Dickens begin at the beginning. Um, Let's launch into my first question. Uh, how did words find you? What, what made you um, find a comfortable place in poetry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot, uh, like a lot of writers, we kind of think of writing as functional, right? So um, you just kind of learn how to write in school because that's what you're supposed to do. But at some point in elementary school, I had a bunch of teachers introducing poems to us, and that was my first introduction to poetry very early in elementary school. So I would say that's how words, real words found me. Um, The other kind of words I learned before then were, again, you know, those were just uh, like business words, functional words. Right. And then when, when I poetry came into my life, I was like, Oh, this is language. And then I think, um, and that language represented kind of what was already in my brain that it was just a way to express what was already in my brain, if that makes sense. So that's, I would say that's how language found me or I found language. It, uh, what you're saying immediately, and I hope I'm not butchering this, uh, when Aristotle talked about teaching, he had kind of a similar philosophy about we, teachers don't implant things. We, we draw it out of them. That the information is already there. And it, 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 if I'm hearing you correctly, um, that's the kind of song that, that poetry drew out of you it was always there but it can it, it it gave you the 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 language of the way you speak mm-hmm. uh, as a poet yeah. is, is that close to the truth yeah i think that's true i mean i think people are everyone's different and i think um we're each made a little bit differently so i think um you know a life journey is sort of finding what feels right to you and that can sometimes take a really long time and other times it can happen really quickly but i think for me mm-hmm it took me a long time to really um, realize that poetry is kind of the way that 
that that uh that I function in the world, if that makes sense. Oh, uh, what do you think took you so long to to come to that conclusion about poetry? Well, I think we're discouraged from you know spending too much time in art and music and visual art and all the arts. I mean, this is a culture of of capitalism, right? I mean, we're mm-hmm. supposed to uh, at a very young age figure out well, what did what do you what would you like to do with the rest of your life? I mean, that's really not how artists think. You know, artists no. don't think what what do I want to do for the rest of my life? I mean, you just like in terms of a, a job and employment, you think you don't think like that, you know. So, yeah. but but that's how our culture operates, and and then everything is um, a step by step path to some sort of end point which doesn't really match poetry or, or art artists either, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not linear. It's so messy and cloudy and it's, it's about creation and making things which don't necessarily, I mean, you could spend life like years make trying to make something that's artistic, but you might not end up with anything, but it doesn't yeah. really matter. But no. that's not, that's not how this, you know, I think that's not how we're taught. We're taught like, you know, you're supposed to do this. So it leads to that end point. What's your goal? is the exactly. question that people ask all the time. Like, I don't have a goal. What's your five-year plan? Basically? That's right. <laughs> I mean, you ask a poet, what, what's their five-year plan? They're like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm eating. I want to yeah, eat. Ex- by I want to eat. But, yeah, and, 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 and it's, it's, uh, it, it's, you make a fascinating point about that. I never, it's, I've never heard it framed like that. Um, almost as if poetry and the arts are, are viewed as a very brief, momentary until you get to the next thing that's real kind of thing that you want to do um watching you uh over time on social media and you do a fantastic job at representing i I think and again this is me looking out looking in from the outside uh the victoria that you show in readings and and, and in your poetry and online and on social media it's the same person you know what, what? What draws? I think so many to you. I would guess is it, to your poetry is to is to you as a person is it's the same entity and the same soul, and uh, it, you make your poetry um, increasingly accessible to to where it, it haunts a little bit. Um, how did you find your your poetic voice? How, you know, mm-hmm. once you once you learned your lexicon and where you needed to speak from, how did you turn that then into your poetic voice? I mean, I think that um, as I get older and older, I just feel like, you know, I think I, I, I want to be a little more honest, right? So, so I think I try and be a little more honest in my writing. And so, um, and, and, and it's all still masked. I mean, what do we do all day, but perform? So I think that, you know, the private life and the public life is there. Always, there's always going to be a gap. Um, right. Sometimes that gap is super wide and it's a huge chasm. Other times it's really thin. It's like a line. Right. So I think it just depends. But I think for, for me, um, kind of living through some of the challenges that I've lived through over the last maybe 15 years uh, or so has made me wonder why I'm performing all the time so much, even in my writing. And so I think, I think just being a little more honest in the right, in the drafting process, I mean, I still have to delete a lot of stuff. I think that probably makes my work a little bit more resonant with people than it, than it has in the past. Was there a specific moment when you kind of, as, as you started being more open and honest in your writing, was there a specific moment that you realized that people reacting were reacting to it differently than maybe they were before? And what, what was that? Oh, like? yeah. 
Um, I think when I started sending out a few of my Obit poems um, in from my book, Obit, their obituary poems um, to journals and people, the editors responded like really powerfully um, by email or, or then I started thinking, oh, these people are really moved by these poems. And then once they started getting out into the world, um, you know, I, I, w- I could tell that that I had touched some kind of nerve or nerves. And I realized that that my me being honest about the experiences that I had gone through, um, people were connecting with these poems. So pretty soon, right away when I started kind of releasing a few into the world. Um, and I think I think 32 poems, the literary journal, 32 poems was the first place that I sent to because they they had emailed me and said, hey, do you have any poems to send us? Um, which happens sometimes. It's called solicitation. And uh, it doesn't happen often, but it does sometimes. And I thought, well, I'll try these poems out with these editors here or this editor here. And um, and I, I at that point, I didn't know if anyone would even like them, but he really liked them and took them. And then when they came out, people really responded. That's when I sort of sensed. I was like, oh, this book will re- is, is resonating differently or will resonate differently than my others. It had to be a really, so, a pow- I'm sorry, go ahead, Cliff. No, solicitation. I want to put a pin in that real quick. Um, it is rare. It is exceedingly rare. And uh, it's it's a it's a powerful draw to the work that you did. And I think it's the shift in the, in the energy that you took to make someone stand up and reach out to you for these, for these poems. Um, Do you mind me asking which poems that you sent to, to, that they asked for? Um, 32 poems. I, I remember sending a poem about a swan. Hold on. Uh, yeah, the doctors died surrounded by and obsession because I actually have it in the back of my acknowledgments page. So they took those two, but I probably sent a batch of five or so. Yeah. Right. Why do you think that they, they, they snatched those two up? I don't know. I mean, I think some people just resonate with different poems than other poems. Like you can send a batch of five poems to 50 people and they might take different ones. I mean, sometimes... Oh, there's one, you know, that people really like, like, you know, sometimes I see people tagging me on social media. So I kind of know uh, which poems in this book people tend to tag me on and, and sort of sh- seem like they really like. Um, and, but then other times other people like other stuff. So it's kind of random, but there are some poems that seem to, to resonate more with people. When uh, you write uh, and I always, I love this, this question. Um, do you have rituals you go through? Is there like a place you have to be a mindset you have to be in? Is there something, do you have a, um, a secret of events that you have to follow through before you sit down and make some magic happen? Or is it just kind of, <laughs> how's that? Work oh, for yeah, no, it changes over the years, depending on my life. And then, um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've um, I totally have a ritual. So I have, I have these pencils I like to use. There's these Ticonderoga black pencils. They have to be really sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a little lamp and it's the only lamp that can be on. Um, I've got to put on these noise cancellations because it's always loud and, you know, there's stuff happening outside and inside. And um, I just don't like any noise. And yeah. Oh, I like music. So I now I never used to listen to music, but because 
um, it's gotten so noisy in my life, even in my own head, that I now listen only to one kind of music. And what is that? <laughs> it's a it's an artist named Tony Anderson, and um, he's a instrumental artist, uh, musician. Okay. And he does um, music for movies and other things, but his instrumental music is really gorgeous. And it just um, puts me in the right kind of, uh, it's just it's just enough noise in the background, but I can't listen to things with words because then I start- Me either because distracted. you listen. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Distracting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, if Max Richter is a composer. Up in, yeah. yeah. yeah he, Same genre. So, you know, yes, that, that's, that's my jam. Yeah. Okay. It's not about me. It's about you. So what I'm saying, what, um, would you read the poem that you've written recently to music? Wait, what did you say? I'm sorry. Would you recently, I'm sorry. Would you read that? Uh, do you have a poem, uh, handy that you've written to music like recently? Um, um, well, I mean, all, I've written all these poems to music. So do you want me to, do you want me to read so, one or? No, actually, no. yeah, I would love that. Um, and then we're talking about the book Obit, right? Yeah. Yes. Please. Okay. I, I'm sorry if I misunderstood you, but you this one's not. called My Mother's Teeth. My mother's teeth died twice, once in 1965, all pulled out from gum disease. Once again, on August 3rd, 2015, the fake teeth sit in a box in the garage. When she died, I touched them, smelled them, thought I heard a whimper. I shoved the teeth into my mouth, but having two sets of teeth only made me hungrier. When my mother died, I saw myself in the mirror, her words around my mouth like powder from a donut. Her last words were in English. She asked for a Sprite. I wonder whether her last thought was in Chinese. I wonder what her last thought was. I used to think that a dead person's words die with them. Now I know that they scatter, looking for meaning to attach to, like a scent. My mother used to collect orange blossoms in a small, shallow bowl. I passed the tree each spring. I always knew that grief was something I could smell, but I didn't know that it's not actually a noun, but a verb, that it moves. Stunning. That was a uh, stunning piece. Yeah. That I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't, that is a. That's lasting. I'm sorry. I, I'm, it, we'll, I, we'll make this sound faster for me, but that, that, I wasn't. That is. I'm not. I'm not kidding you. I'm not. I'm not. Michael, you gotta make me. I'm. Please don't make me sound stupid about this, uh, Victoria. That. that, that Yeah, you're gonna have to fast forward. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, no. We will. We'll, 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 we'll clean all this up. No, I mean, I'm just. We'll clean it up. Yeah. No, it, it's and, 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 and I'm not kidding about this. That, that's one of the one of the best poems I've ever heard. Um, in depth. You probably stuff. say that all day long. I didn't, no. I've actually never heard him say that. What? Out of this conversation, I mean, just turned so dark. It. it took me 15 minutes to tell you how I felt about the poem, and you you say that all the time. That's some hateful. That's hate. That's hate, well, Victoria. Maybe that's like hate. two minutes, not 15. So. No, no. There's, there's a lot of pencil. At least we keep it show. real on this show. Yeah. No, but, but Victoria, it's a. Uh, it, 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 
the uh, the book obit has uh, is, is is earned quickly an enormous amount of respect because of the honesty. Uh, there are you know two camps of people uh, in, the, in the course of everything, and there are those in poetry that say if you're, if you're gonna lie, lie big, you know, and then the, the other ones that say you know if, if you're gonna lie, go to fiction. Well, why are you in poetry? Because people, um, and you can tell which way I lean. I think that in times of trouble and in times of need of hope and truth, they come to poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, the, the honesty that uh, that you bring out of that poem and, and the vulnerability of that. And um, it, it leads me, um, you work and weave in so much of your culture that is new to me. But when you have that, when you share that kind of love with a mother with, or with a family member like that, it, it kind of moves beyond language. But I need to step back and ask you, like, you know, how have you found your your culture and developed it into your book, especially talking about Obit? Yeah, I mean, I think that looking back on it and and I, you know, I've kind of thought about this a lot and talked about it a little bit, too, and that I really didn't want to write the elegy. Right. Because mm. um, everybody else has they've all done it better. They can they can do it better. They've done it better. Um, and I feel I feel like it's just sort of, you know, maybe overdone is the wrong word. I mean, people keep dying. So there's just more and more allergies being written. And so I just didn't really want to, I didn't want to try it, but then, um, and then one day I just felt like uh, it was the right time for me to do my own thing. And that's when I heard right. on the radio, like NPR there, someone was talking about Obit, the documentary um, that, that, that was on obituary writers. And I just thought, Oh, I'm going to do my own thing. And then once I came to that idea of doing my own thing, doing my own thing meant everything. It meant also being um, honest about who I was and, you know, my culture, my background, my family culture, you know, the fact that death, it can be very, a dying can be very ugly. People were fighting all the time. You never knew what you're going to get when you walk right. into my parents' house and people suffer, they suffer physically. And um, my dad is, you know, has been ill for a long time and it just, you know, it's just not a pretty, it's not a pretty process. You know, it's like, it's never like they show it on the movies where someone just looks really peaceful. Um, and so I just wanted to just be honest, you know, what, I mean, cause to me, what was the point of writing it? If I was going to make up a bunch of stories. Yes, exactly. 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 Um, Tell us about the books that you have out now. All of them, or just all like, of them, all of them. Um, well, I have five poetry books, mm-hmm. um, and Obit is the fifth one. So right. there's Circle, Salvinia Molesta, The Boss, Barbie Chang, Obit. That's five, and then I have uh, two children's books. So yep. a picture book, a picture book called Is Mommy, and then a middle grade verse novel called love love and then there's an anthology i edited a long time ago asian american poetry the next generation which mm-hmm. i edited before i even had a book um and then i have another book that's coming out in a couple of weeks called dear memory yep and dear memory it is a it's a unique hybrid um it, it, it feels to me and again i'll say this a dozen times from the outside looking in out of all of the projects that you've uh, mentioned before, it has a, a a magnum opus kind of magical quality to the way the it's an interactive book. Uh, could you tell us about it? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like almost like a choose your own adventure in some ways. I mean, yes. it is interactive. You can open it and just look at a page, and 
it might have a photo on it with um, some of the poems that I've written that I've made into like little snippets of paper that I've cut out and handwritten. You could open it and read a letter to a body part or a letter to my mother or a letter to an old teacher, um, epistolary sort of essays, I call them. Or you can open it and look at a document, you know, that I pulled from one of my mother's boxes. So it's kind of a mishmash of stuff. And I honestly think and thought when I was making it that no one was going to understand what I was doing <laughs> because I myself also didn't understand what I'm doing. And I was also thinking that this is going to be hard for people to figure out. Um, and I was totally fine with that because I, I really enjoyed making, making the book. I believe that readers need to work a little to figure out who you are and where you're coming from using not arcane, but unique words that make people dig deeper into why you would use that, not the other, but not so much beat their head against the wall, trying to figure out, you know, why something is so cryptic. Um, you stay away from the cryptic and always have. Um, and in your early works, uh, and, and especially in your first book, uh, it felt like that, uh, you are becoming aware of what made you strong and I've never been able to figure out what, what, what maybe that point was in the book. Um, and I could be absolutely wrong about this, but from the beginning of that book to the end, by the end, um, it, it felt like that you were standing up strong on your first, on, on your, on your feet, you know, as a poet, um, kind of timid in the beginning. Is that true? Or am I way off base on that? Um, the first book probably took a long time to write. So it was probably uh -huh. over a period of time of, developing as a writer and you know I'm still developing as a writer and changing and as an artist kind of thing so I think that um it gets you know when you're so young it just you know you're just kind of exploring and to be honest with you like in my, my first book took a while to get published and so in that time period you're I'm always just sort of editing and changing writing new poems and next thing you know like eight years have passed or something like that. So, you know, I think that book can show like a, a broader number of years. And then, you know, Obit, I wrote over a period of at least the obituary poems over a period of two weeks. And so it's just right. very different. The, book, the books have changed because they've had to, you know, given my schedule and time and stuff like that. And there's a fearlessness that comes with your approach. It seems like, is that true? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I think I've always been that kind of person, you know, just mm -hmm. a, a combination of really timid and scared, but then really bold and fearless. And yeah. I think when it comes to my art making, it's all fearless. There's no yeah. fear. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. But my personality is more like m mild and timid and uh, a little bit, um, anxiety ridden and just a little more sort of beta like even though people always i get plucked to do a lot of leadership stuff but i don't really like it so <laughs> i much yeah, I prefer to be in the background but i never in the background i'm always shoved to the front on a stage with a microphone even though i really don't like it so um yeah i think that my in my poetry and in my writing i love to to take risks and experiment and to me that's so fun i wouldn't do it if i couldn't do that and, and correct me if I'm wrong um, or adjust it to how you, how you see it, but um, you have to be introverted to a, to a moment. You can't be full-fledged out there center stage all the time. It'll eat you up. 
you know, and it, 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 so I mean, to, it, what people see, uh, and I could be wrong about this. I'll say this a dozen times. Um, it's not being beta. It's, it's being, you have to step back and say like, it, it, it's, it, this is not my time. I don't want to speak. I don't have to speak. You know what I'm saying? And, and you, you save the energy for, for what you write, you know what I'm saying? And, you write and you alone. Yeah, exactly. 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 Um, where do you, where do you see uh, their memory going? In what way? And in, 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 I guess uh, as far as like a trajectory of your career, like mm. where do you think this book's going to take you? Well, you know, I think it's, um, the, I love the visual component of it. And I really love, I've always loved um, looking at art and going to museums and my whole life, I've always kind of, oh, there's a great exhibit. I'm going to go look at it. Um, and then when I was younger, I loved making things and drawing things. I was always taking art classes and stuff like that. So for me, this was really fun because I'm not a very good artist and I haven't done visual art in a long time, but this was a chance for me to try it and fail and then try again. Um, right. And and just like, this is the best I could have done, but it did kind of get me thinking, oh, I can use my hands more. I can do this more with even my more sort of traditional poetry on the page. There are other things that I feel like that opened up for me because each book is a discrete object, but yeah, it's not, I mean, we don't write like that, you know, so things always bleed. You can always find threads between this, the last book and the next book, because it's just, a, you know, it's just your, your life. There's no, yes. you know, books are man, woman or man or person made, if that makes sense. So like that's just not how artistic pro the artistic process functions. So one, one thing that you uh, have, have brought up uh, is that sometimes you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're creating. You're creating something. And then you also mentioned that you go through this fearlessly, uh, which is interesting. So it's kind of like you're going into the unknown and the fear is gone. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people might even struggle with that kind of idea. Have you ever dealt with uh, creative people who've come to you and said, you know, I am, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I need to know exactly what I'm creating before I try or what, what would you oh, yeah. people like that? What would you, what is your perspective on that? I feel like I'm always talking to people like that. All, I mean, so many students and uh, students of writing or just, you know, life students, which I guess we all are, um, are always asking those kinds of questions. You know, it's like that uncertainty is, is fascinating. Well, a lot of writers are anxious people and <laughs> like that. And yes. anxiety is funny because people like some people will have anxiety. All they want is to control everything around them. So, but, but they're also creative writer types. So sometimes I feel like some people, writers who have anxiety always want to control things. They want to know, you know, what's happening before that. I'm like, no, no, no. Like you have to sort of like not be comfortable in that unknowing and, and, you know, it's like that, that is so hard for, for people. Um, and I, I, I'm really comfortable in that and knowing because actually that's the space where I feel the happiest is when I don't really know what is going to come next. I have so much fun writing. It makes me so happy when I don't know what I'm doing or what's coming next. Um, but it's, it's like, it's fascinating to talk to people all day long and, 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 and have them feel that anxiety of unknowing, but not, you know, not giving them that lame answer, which is like, oh, that's just sort of how I naturally am. Um, I have to try and figure out how to get them, you know, out of that their own own way. And so then I have to give 
writing exercises, ideas. And, um, you know, like I always say, keep going a lot. I just finished an essay for Lit Hub, a craft essay about how the object in your poem isn't the subject in your poem, you know, meaning the the cucumber that you're writing about isn't the poem isn't about the cucumber. Like you have to go find, like let the poem find what the poem is really about sort of thing. But you don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. And so, but that makes people super uncomfortable, which is always um, hard to figure out how to get people to, to do, you know, to get out of their own way sort of thing. You know, I, I had a, a great songwriter once tell me the same thing about songwriting. The thing you think the song is about is not what the song is about. You have to find it. You have and, to find uh, it. And, yeah. Or just like put your ear down and, and listen to that, whatever, you know, whatever it is you're making and it will tell you. And, and it doesn't mean there's one thing. I feel like it could be a thousand things, but whatever yeah. it is that comes to the surface, it's like, you better be, your ear better be open to it because if it's not open, you're not going to hear it. And then it's going to sound like so many other songs. Yep. Right? It's true. Now, Victoria, so we're talking a lot about craft, which I think we all agree is the center, the centerpiece of everything, right? How did you go from being someone who is discovering language, discovering poetry, learning to express the things that were already in your head? How did you start putting those poems into the world in a, in a meaningful way? How did you go about thinking about that? And then what was that process like? You mean the actual like publishing and stuff like that? Sure. Or, yeah. How did how did yeah. you how did you finally reach out to somebody? I mean, what was what was the first time your your work was published? And you know, probably in um, college. You know, yeah. I mean, there's just something that people always say about art is that and poems, but art too. It's like the you know the poem is not complete until it finds its reader whether it's one reader or a million readers, and it hasn't completed that cycle of creation. I, I know lots of people believe that. And I think I believe that because I think my actions show I believe that, right? And meaning that at some point, if I believe in the poem or I like the poem or I want it to see if people like the poem, I'll send it out. Um, and and get it try and get it published in a journal where there could be a reader or well, the first reader is the editor and so right. in that way you close the loop and if it is a loop or if it's some other sort of weird shape um, but yeah I mean I think I started having those desires in college and that was at the University of Michigan where I was taking some poetry classes and and then I, I think I sent out my poems to a couple literary journals. And then once you do that, it's kind of fun to see something in print that you made. Right. It, be, it becomes kind of addicting. And then and then it's like you go from a couple poems to more poems to then you th- start thinking about a book length collection. And then it just, you know, you start, oh, I just want to publish one poem. And then it becomes, I just want to publish one book. And then you just like, oh, maybe another book. And then you keep going and then you wake up and you're old and then you publish like, I don't even know how many books did I name? I don't know. But I think that it's just, you just kind of realize that, oh, that it is part of the cycle for, for a writer or an artist is to share it, you know, to share that work. Now, before we let you go, we're going to follow up that with immediately. How do we find all your books online and keep up with you and what's coming out next? 
Um, I have a website. It's victoriachangpoet.com. I keep it really clean and lean because <laughs> um, if you don't, it'll get hacked. So I've been hacked about four times. So I, right. I just, I leave most base. It's the most basic site ever that works great for me. Uh, and then I'm on Twitter at okay. vchangpoet. Chang I'm on Instagram at fattery12. And I'm on Facebook, but I've, I'm usually maxed out on the followers on Facebook. But yeah. I probably spend the most time on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we let you go, um, I always like to hear what words of hope do you have for those who want to do what you're doing and might be close to giving up? <laughs> well, you can't really give up if you really want something. Um, but I definitely think that that you'll have, you know, good times and bad times, like everything. And it is um, the, 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 the people that are still around that I started with are doggedly persistent in their love of the art and the craft and are constantly um, learning and, and basically have decided they cannot live without poetry. Uh, and that is something I've, I've noticed. And they, they just have a lot of persistence and the thickest skin imaginable. Um, and we're still all standing. So I think that if you want to uh, keep doing it, you got to stick with it and over the long haul and develop a really thick skin. Both Cliff and I want to say thank you for spending your time with us. We want to thank Victoria Chang for a great interview. You can find Victoria at victoriachangpoet.com. You can find Cliff Brooks at cliffbrooks.com or at southerncollectiveexperience.com. You can find myself at michaelomedy.com, worldpoetrymagazine.com, and worldpoetryopenmic.com. Until next time, remember to be yourself. The world needs your authenticity. Do the hard work and conquer your obstacles creatively. Remember to follow your heart, for it's easy to lose your head in this business of music and poetry. <laughs>